The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. This morning we're celebrating the Lord's Supper as a church family. This tradition was a tradition left to us by Christ. And the truth is there are many traditions that the church has added on to its worship. There's some things that we do that we might not think about doing, that, but they become somewhat of a tradition for us. But there are only two things that Christ left to us. I remember hearing a story about a pastor who left his church after serving there for 30 years. And the new pastor came in, and apparently after about 30 days, this new pastor was already in trouble with the congregation. And it was because he was doing something very important wrong. And so finally he asked me, he said, what's the problem? He said, well, we, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, you're supposed to go and touch the radiator. I said, what do you mean we're supposed to touch the radiator? He said, yeah, this, part of this, it's a part of the Lord's Supper. It's part of the service. Every single time our pastor does the Lord's Supper, before he hands out the elements, he goes over and he touches the radiator. And so the young pastor came and, and he thought for a while and he called the old pastor and he said, hey, I'm just, I want to let you know I'm in trouble and I don't really know why. They said that every time you touch the radiator and that's part of the Lord's Supper and they're mad at me because I'm not doing that. And the old pastor explained to him, well, I always went over and I found something metal that I could touch because I walk around and there's carpet and I thought it would relieve the static so I didn't shock anybody. But everybody, after 30 years of doing that in the church, thought that that was a tradition that just needed to be done in the Lord's Supper. And so there are some traditions that we have that don't mean a whole lot. And they're not bad, they're not evil, but there's two things that Christ left for us to do. We call them ordinances because Christ ordained them. He gave us the Lord's Supper and he gave us baptism. Both the Lord's Supper and baptism are symbolic of the gospel. Both are designed to be public professions of faith. Both remind us of the death and the resurrection of Christ. And both are essential elements in the believer's walk with Christ. In our discipleship and growing up as believers in Christ. Uh, Spurgeon, before celebrating communion with his church family, once said this, When we observe the Lord's Supper, we feel a deep and earnest desire that none should come to the table in ignorance of the significance of this observance. We believe that the Lord's Supper is of the utmost importance for the health and the life of this church. And we believe it's the utmost importance, the health and the life of the believer. This communion service helps us to remember the cross to examine ourselves, to repent of sin, to proclaim our faith, to unite in fellowship as a church family, and to hope until the Lord comes. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28 for you this morning. These are familiar verses for the Lord's Supper. We're going we're gonna to hone in on one phrase that Christ uses. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says this, For I have received of the Lord that which was delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he said, or he break it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
After the same manner, also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. I want to draw your attention this morning to one idea in the text. And that is that Christ gave this ordinance so that we would remember. Two times he says, do this in remembrance of me. He was intentional about saying it. It wasn't something he added on at the end. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't something that that was unimportant to the whole thing. In fact, I think it was the point. This morning we gather to celebrate the communion service, and I want us to remember two things. And I, I hope that these two things will help us to remember him today as he deserves. The first thing I want you to remember is I want you to remember who you are. Remember who you are. Verse 24, Jesus gave thanks. He broke the bread and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take the bread this morning, we ought to remember Jesus. But think here what he was saying. He was about to give his body for the disciples. Why why would he do that? And why would he want them to remember it? He was about to be tried at a mock trial. He was going to be beaten, spit on, humiliated, and then crucified in a bloody death as a criminal. Why, for any reason, would Christ want his disciples to remember that? What did he mean? My body is given for you. Well, the answer is obvious as we read through the Gospels. Jesus explained his mission over and over again. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So part of his mission was to come to the earth, not just to be born and not just to be an example, but to seek and to save the lost. John 10.10 says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So Christ was coming because he knew there was a problem, that, that in the world death reigned. That people's lives were not abundant like God had desired, that God had planned them to be. And so he came to give us life, to give us eternal life, and to give us life here more abundantly as we're reconciled to our Creator. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so Christ's mission when he came was to give his life as a ransom or a payment for many souls. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to give life. He came to die as a ransom for many. And so when he says, my body is given for you, we should start to put the the dots together to connect them. We should start to understand that what he's saying is that he's coming to the end point of his mission where he's about to give his life a ransom for many, where he's about to seek and to save the lost. His life for our lives. He says, I'm not going to the cross to pay for my own crime. It's not a problem with the legal system. 
Christ wasn't crucified just because there was an immoral guy in power or some religious leaders that were upset because they didn't have the attention anymore. He was not going to the cross as a martyr. He was going to pay the debt of someone else. And so when we remember, the first thing we must remember about who we are is that we need to remember that we are sinners in need of a Savior, in desperate need of a Savior. I want us this morning to see ourselves once again as a lost sinner. Or maybe to see yourself for the first time this morning as a lost sinner. Think about that. Imagine that Christ had not come. And imagine this morning we gathered here together, recognizing, understanding that we bore the weight of our own sin. That there's nothing that we could do to go into our past and to remove the evil things that we had done, to remove the evil thoughts. And not only that, I think we recognize that not only have we sinned in the past, but that our sin is ongoing. It's a part of us. It's a part of our thoughts. It's a part of our actions every day. Imagine that we were here as sinners and someday we would stand before a perfect and holy righteous judge who knew every thought, who saw every action, and we'd stand before him in our own righteousness or unrighteousness. What would happen? We'd be judged. We'd be condemned. In fact, the Bible says we're condemned already. And if that's the case, if we remember who we are, we recognize that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. So remember who you are in need of a Savior, but also remember who you are. You're a sinner to whom a Savior was sent. God saw your need. He saw your predicament. And He sent His Son to die for you. What amazing love He has toward us. There's a song that Ian introduced us to. It's a wonderful song. It says, Here is love, vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood, when the prince of life, my ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Remember that the prince of life came to the earth to die for you. How about the song we sung this morning? Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. It says, but as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost. So I'm headed straight toward hell because I'm condemned in my sins. You looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. And now all I know is grace. So remember you're a sinner, but don't stay there. Remember that a Savior has been sent for you. Christ came in love to rescue you. And so we sing, hallelujah, all I have is Christ, and hallelujah, all I need is Christ. It was the disciples in the room that evening, but it just as well could have been you or I when Jesus looked into our eyes and said, my body is broken for you. Christ died for you. So the question this morning is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you? Because I know we know it. We know the verse. We've got it memorized. But do you believe it? This is what happens sometimes. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we deem ourselves unlovely. 
I don't know if you felt that way. There are times in my life where I think, man, I'm kind of likable. <laughs> Most of the time, I know better. Most of the time, I know what kind of sinner I am. Uh, hopefully all the time I know what kind of sinner I am because the Bible tells me what kind of sinner I am. But, but if, if we're going to go based on our feelings, whether or not we're lovable, whether or not we deserved him to die for us, we're in a whole lot of trouble. And if you're going to base your understanding of Christ dying for you on whether or not you are lovely, then it will never make sense to you. This is the amazing truth that in your sin, when you were unlovable, Christ chose to love you and he chose to die for you. So remember that. Remember that he's lavished such undeserved love on you. In the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, we read this to our kids a lot, and there's one phrase that's used over and over again. It's just a wonderful phrase. It says that he loved you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And so if you know that, rejoice today. Rejoice that you have a Savior who loves you like that. And if you don't, you can know his love today. You can repent of your sin and you can put your faith in Christ today and he'll save you. That's the promise of the word of God. That's the gospel. And so this morning, remember who you are. Remember you're a sinner in desperate need. And remember that Christ came for you because he loves you. The second thing I want us to remember is to remember whose you are. Remember whose you are. After Jesus had finished taking the bread, he took the cup and he said, This is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. I I wonder if you've ever thought about what the cup of the New Testament is. Does that mean it's like the cup of the second half of your Bible? What does that mean? Well, the word testament means covenant, right? It's, it's a promise that God has made. And so the New Testament is this new covenant or this new promise of grace, the promise of redemption, the promise of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of mercy. And so how, how does that work? Do you remember we talked about the gospel of Mark, that Christ came to give his life a ransom for many? It means that he came to pay for your sins. And, and, the paradox of the Christian faith is how do we serve a God who is perfectly just and he's a righteous and holy judge who will judge sin and serve a God who forgives and shows mercy and grace upon sinners? How does that all make sense? We find out how it makes sense at the cross. At the cross, we see his justice as he pours out his wrath on his son. And we see his grace as his son dies in our place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, says, You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, what happened in the, at the cross is that Christ died for you. He bought you back. You were enslaved to sin. No hope. No way of paying off your own debt. And Christ came and paid what you could not pay. And so now, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you are bought with a price. He says once again in in 1 Corinthians 7.23, you are bought with a price. Be not you servants of men. Since you've been bought, since you've been redeemed, you have a new master. 
Sin is no longer your master. So don't serve sin. Serve the Lord who bought you. Remember whose you are. This is the best news in the world. Now we belong to the God of heaven. We are children of the Lord, of the King of kings, princes and princesses in the kingdom of heaven. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 37 says this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So remember who you are. Remember you're a sinner. Remember that you're a sinner that was loved so much that the Savior came to die for you. And now remember whose you are. That you belong to Him. That your life is His. This morning we come together to remember the Lord. And as we take the bread, let's remember the bread is His body broken for us. The cup is the promise, the covenant of grace that He's died for us. That we have heaven to look forward to. May this service remind us of what's the most important. Christ gave us this and he told us to do it in remembrance of him. And you know why he did that? Because we very easily forget. Right? It's so easy for us to get consumed with our lives, consumed with what's going on and the troubles that we experience. And this is a wonderful time where we think about the cross. We think about what this life really means. Pastor quoted uh, Carson last Sunday morning, and I think it's an amazing quote, that you don't suffer from anything that a good resurrection cannot fix. No matter what we go through in this life, and I know life is painful, we have the hope of eternal life. And that's only because we have a Savior who died for us. And so let's remember Him this morning. Before I ask the men to come forward, I would like to read for you one more quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, We cannot rightly observe the Lord's Supper Unless we come to the table, blessing, praising, magnifying, and adoring our Savior. If you do not love Him, do not come to this table. But if you love Him, come because you love Him. Come because you remember Him and because you wish to be helped to remember Him yet more. If there is nothing about Him that you wish to remember, do not dare come. But if he is precious to your soul, your transport and your trust, if his very name is music to your ears, honey to your mouth and joy to your heart, then you do not need me to press you to come to this table, but you will come because he says, do this in remembrance of me.